I get that that's your mom yeah. and everything, but like, you go into the back, right? No, absolutely not. Why? What are you talking about? I'm your wife. Are you serious right now? Okay, we gotta, we gotta keep having these type of conversations down. every time. Every time I link up with your mother, is always a problem. I'm in his life now, so why are you still here? I'm always gonna be. Okay, but go to the back fucking seat. I'm your wife. Oedipus Rex is an Athenian tragedy written by Sophocles. Although the story dates back to around 400 BC, it's still referenced today, generally from either a literary perspective as a classic play or a psychological perspective as Sigmund Freud named a complex after the story's main character. Let me give you bullet points for the story. A king learns from an oracle that he will be murdered by his son. So in fear of fulfilling the prophecy, his infant son is bound and left to die in another town. The kid ends up eventually saved by a shepherd. He's named Oedipus, and he's brought to the childless king where he is raised as the king's son. Oedipus, in his adulthood, is told by another oracle that he's destined to mate with his mother and murder his father. So he flees in terror of fulfilling that destiny. He gets in a fight with a stranger on his journey, kills him, and continues on to eventually end up right back where he was born and, you guessed it, marries the queen. Turns out the guy he murdered along the way was his father. Prophecy fulfilled. Now, the thing that ends up being discussed through the ages just as much as the story is the psychology of the writer. You might wonder, who comes up with this? Who writes this? But the deeper insinuation here is that the seeds of this concept exist in all of us this subconscious attraction to our opposite gender parent. Sigmund Freud theorizes that kids between the ages of three and six develop an unconscious attraction to their opposite sex parent, Oedipus complex. For a boy, that would mean a psychosexual attraction to their mother and a jealousy of their father. He asserts that in a healthy household, the son's rivalry with the father over unconscious feelings for the mother turns into a mentorship with the father imitating his masculine traits, his ideologies, values, characteristics, etc., eventually replacing the unconscious desire for his mother with other women. Now, before I go on, there's a lot of problems with Freud's theories. He seemed obsessed with sexuality, penises, lacks of penises, phallic symbolisms. Also, coming from an era where the paradigms of old, rich, white men were considered objective truth, they would have been much too backwards to ever properly implement views on sexuality that incorporated the LGBTQ community, low-income single-parent households, and all of the like. Many people disagreed with Freud, not just on this, but on nearly everything he theorized. To my knowledge, the only things we uphold from him today are the seeds of things, not the full concept, but the mere idea that we have subconscious urges. The idea that there are things happening in our minds that are unacknowledged, things we're unaware of. This is a concept that we all agree on. We've all seen and heard examples of psychosexual behavior, daughters who basically grow up to become their mothers, sons who become their fathers, unconsciously inheriting their sometimes good and sometimes bad characteristics and executing them in their adult relationships. How boys believe they're supposed to treat a woman is largely based on how they seen women treated by their fathers. Women who grow up to marry men who remind them in some capacity of their fathers, maybe physically or in their treatment of them, their value system, etc. So with all this said, let's zoom in on something else. 
How would psychosexuality work in the communities like the one I was raised in? Ones where present fathers are not the norm. And let's be very specific here. I'm not speaking about fathers that were present even from outside the household. Men who remained in their children's lives regardless of their feelings or lack thereof for the mother. Maintaining a healthy relationship with their child. We're talking about deadbeats. Men who ran, disappeared. There's a theme in, dare I say, black culture where we uphold the single, struggling mother. And why wouldn't we? Some guy left her and his children and completely disappeared. Ran from his obligations and responsibilities with sons who grew up never knowing who their father is. The single mother who takes on everything alone and raises boys to men alone, without help, regardless of everything systematically, financially, economically against her and her family, upholding that woman is a no-brainer. Unfortunately, I feel that in our reverence of this archetype, the blasphemy that comes with critiquing this individual, we've let many a single mother get away with poisoning and traumatizing their children. As though we're incapable of admitting that the presence of an unhealthy mother could be just as detrimental to the child's healthy upbringing as the disappearance of an unhealthy father. There are cases of great single-parent households. But I find the one ripe with verbal and physical abuse, shaming, and guilt as a control mechanism, homes of fear and neglect, are not really brought to light. They're protected under the invisible shield of being a single parent. She's doing her best, the best she can do with what she was given. And of course, this concept of the struggling but strong single mother comes out in every aspect of our culture by men raised by women, never knowing their fathers. In books, in TV shows, movies, artwork, music. Probably why no one finds that Boys to Men song oddly erotic. Maybe the types of things you should be saying to your wife, right? See, we talk about there being no man in the household to influence the son, but we seem to overlook the healthy influence a man has on the entire home, including that over the woman of the household as well. See, in your stereotypical black and underprivileged community with a man and woman at the helm, with a man present, it eradicates the need for the boy to compensate for the lack of a man and also fulfills the needs of the woman. You've heard the phrases that come up when a man's not around. A single mother may tell their teenage boy, you're the man of the house. His younger siblings are like his children. His responsibilities of caring and providing for them are more fatherly than brotherly. He is his mother's man. The boy takes responsibilities the boy really has no business internalizing. He has no children of his own, but has the full weight of providing for a woman and kids. Providing financially, protecting, and leading without ever being taught how to do so. He learns about masculinity from his mother, as opposed to watching it take place and imitating it in reverence of his father figure. He internalizes the responsibilities and characteristics of the man of the house, because between the gaping wormhole where a father should be, and the advocating of this adult role by the mother, we create a blurred line between son and man of the house. There should be a differentiation between the feelings toward the mother from the son and the feelings for the woman from the husband. That boy grows with a wife internalized before he ever meets someone to marry. That can greatly impact the relationship he eventually has with this woman, the relationship he has with his children and the role that his mother plays in all of their lives. 
We've seen this too. Men who put their mother before their own wife and children are stricken with guilt, moving on to take care of another woman. Although this should be a healthy process that any healthy mom would support, the man is made to feel as though he's leaving his mother for another. Feelings more similar to a breakup than growing wings and flying as a fully actualized adult in search of a healthy relationship. Mothers who perpetuate this unhealth to their adult sons, telling them things like, you're putting her before me? Sons of single mothers often suffer a blurring of the line between son and provider. Some of this is unconscious and natural without a father in place, and some of it is exasperated by an unhealthy or unacknowledging woman's true need for a mate. This perversion of the male is seen everywhere in my community, always in plain sight. Artwork of strong black men in the fetal position cradled by their mothers. Mama's boy in the hood who never moves out. Marriages where couples fight over the topic, where husbands feel caught between mother and wife like they're having an affair. Look for it. Once you know it, you'll see it everywhere in black culture. In movies, in television, even in semi-erotic slow love songs from boys to men. I go by the name of Septo, Dacie. And this is the left column. Never gonna go a day Fills me up. Just. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe everywhere you find podcasts. Just go to Septo Dossier, hit the Apple, hit the Spotify, wherever you listen. And while you're at the Septo.ca website, make sure you hit up the store, get yourself some merch. Until next time, I'll see you on Monday.